Hello and welcome to the Audio Epics podcast. This is Domin, and this week I have for you, as promised, a little uh, episode called The Beast of the Western Wilds, a retrospective in which I um, talk a bit about The Beast of the Western Wilds, how it came to be, um, who was involved, etc. And I also play some of the music tracks and I hope you will all really enjoy it. So let's jump right in. Now that the final episode of The Beast of the Western Wilds has aired on our podcast and on YouTube, I feel it's a good time to take a look back and talk about this story, how the idea for it came up, what I was trying to achieve with it, and how it all came together. Of course, I do have to warn you, there will be spoilers, big, massive, planet-sized spoilers. Don't listen to this if you have not listened to all of the Beast of the Western Wilds yet. Story Origins When Witch Hunter was done, I didn't want to jump into a sequel right away, but I still wanted to write something new. And so I decided to write a shorter story set in the same world but before the events in Witch Hunter, not as a prequel per se, but as a standalone adventure that really focuses on Ludlove doing his thing, being a witch hunter. That would give me a lot of freedom with the plot, and it could also make it work for people who have never listened to the original Witch Hunter before. It's as good a place to jump in as any, really. Now, for the purposes of contrast and fleshing out the world, this new tale was going to be set in the wilds, far from the bustling city of Seven Peaks. I wanted to show a different side of the setting, one that felt more isolated and mysterious. Originally, I sought some inspiration from an audio drama that I wrote now 17 years ago. That audio drama was called What Evil Lurks in Darkshire. This was a short gothic horror story set in 18th century England. And skimming over that old script, I noticed it contained lots of elements that really fit in the Witch Hunter universe. Now, of course, um, The Beast of the Western Wilds is a completely new story that bears almost no resemblance to What Evil Lurks in Darkshire, but it does retain some elements from that very old audio drama small village, creature in the woods, you know, that the whole atmosphere of it. Now, the fact that the Beast of the Western Wilds exists at all is really thanks to Eline, my wife, who really gave me a much-needed push out of the door, providing inspiration, encouragement, and well-reasoned criticism along the way. At first, I wanted this to be a werewolf story, but as the plotline evolved, it became something more mysterious and I would say something darker than that. All in all, after a somewhat rocky start, writing The Beast of the Western Wilds ultimately went much quicker and more fluently than I had anticipated. And I'm quite happy with the final result. It's much smaller in scale than the original Witch Hunter, and I was a bit worried that listeners might miss that more epic feel, but I'm happy that nobody actually complained about that. The experience has taught me that 
the world does not need to be at stake to have an exciting story. The Voices We always want to improve the quality of our products, and with the Beast of the Western Wilds, we made an effort to have it come alive more by having a richer cast. In fact, this time we went for a full-cast dramatized audiobook, with every part, or, well, almost every part, spoken by a different voice actor. Luckily, there's a whole community of online audio drama storytellers, all people like us who do this out of love for stories and for the medium of audio. And to my great fortune, we managed to cast every voice actor we had in mind for all of the parts. Matthew McLean and Robert Cudmore are two Scottish gentlemen who used to host the audio drama production podcast together, which is a great podcast, by the way. They have both since moved on to create new audio projects, but this is how I first came to know them. I have since met Matthew in Bruges, which was very nice. Um, I have not met Robert yet in real life, but I hope that will happen someday. They are both very fine gentlemen. Now, Matthew sounds a lot like Billy Boyd, you know, the actor who played Pippin the Hobbit in The Lord of the Rings. His youthful voice, to me, matched the character of Rudolph very well, because Rudolph is a very likable character, and Matthew is a very likable man, and has that, he has that sort of um, affable quality in his voice as well. Good morning, Rudolph. Good morning, Master. You seem awfully cheerful. Are you looking forward to meeting your relatives? Rudolph tried to shrug and shake his head at the same time, resulting in an awkward and comical movement. Only my cousin lives in Schnertwald. We get along well and it'll surely be good to see him, but mostly I just feel good about today. Strangely so, in fact. Robert played the part of Adolphus, and I must say I was very impressed with his performance. I think he brought a lot of heart to the character. Originally, Adolphus was going to be probably just a side character, but because of Robert's performance, I, I feel it, the character became much more than that. He brings a real soul to it. But what would people think if, if I just tried to win her for me so soon after her husband's death? Besides, I don't think she's ready to even entertain the thought. Then we have British voice actress Sarah Golding, who is now one of the hosts of the audio drama production podcast. And she plays Heidi Winkler. Now, if you've listened to the story, you know Heidi is quite a mysterious character, and Sarah certainly brought that to the role, along with a melancholy quality that makes you actually feel sorry for the poor woman, while still distrusting her, because she is, after all... A witch? Or not? Not quite sure. Anyway, Sarah does this brilliantly. No, I didn't stay long. No, no, it was clear to me, fully clear, that place is the mouth of the underworld. All hope left me when I set foot there. I never went back. That was 30 years ago. I was also quite happy that I managed to get Karim Kronfli to play Count Edelhardt because I had him in mind from the start. Now, um, Karim is in a lot of audio dramas because, you know, he's got a great voice and a lot of people want to cast him. And I am very grateful and happy that he agreed to be in the, in the Beast of the Western Wilds. 
Karim infuses his performance as the Count with both sophistication and bluntness. And that describes the Count perfectly. He's really a degenerate aristocrat. Not saying that that is what Karim is like, but he certainly manages to play it very well. Extremely well, I have to say. Ingalil and I were both fairly open-minded about our wedding vows. And when we learned about the work of the ancient philosopher Iliandin, we weren't squeamish about putting his theory to practice. You see, Iliandin wrote that there is a pathway for the living soul to touch the higher realm of existence through experiencing extreme physical pleasure. As you can imagine, we were quite keen on trying it out. Dane Russell Leonardson is an audio drama maker and music composer from the United States. He also voices Captain Elsenbach, which is a role that requires a voice that can project both strength and gentleness. And Dane was the perfect man for the job. Are you a doctor? No, but Dr. Schmetterling agreed with me. While Heidi was reading chicken bones and sprinkling fairy dust on her, he actually investigated her body and found the infection. By that time it was too late to help her, though. I see. Then I, of course, also cast some of my Belgian friends again, many of whom appeared in our earlier audio productions. If you've listened to other audio epic stuff, you may recognize Niklas Reinhold, who was the voice of Saffredon the Wizard in The Will of the Woods, but here he plays young Conrad, the naive guardsman, a very different role indeed. And I think... He played both equally well. Well, your falcon came fluttering into our village, squawking and scratching and generally making a fuss. We didn't quite know what to make of it, but then I figured out he was trying to tell us something. So I decided to follow him. Then there is Grace van Lesebetten, the voice of Redla, the vain and sarcastic eagle in The Will of the Woods. Here she returns as the grumpy farmer woman who nevertheless treats Ludlove and Lud and Rudolph to a free breakfast. You might wonder what sort of folk choose to live in a place like that. Rudolph flushed and Ludlow had noticed it. People with nowhere else to go, I suppose. Or people who feel right at home there. Aaron Bodanovich played Death, Golivosk, Vathek and Gustav Winsterdunkel in the original Witch Hunter. And in The Beast of the Western Wilds, he returns as the charming Dr. Schmetterling who helps Ludlove during his investigations. Arnold's specialization really is comedy, but um, Dr. Schmetterling is not a comedic character, but Arnold also played Voltum, the mole alchemist in The Will of the Woods, and he gave that character a sort of uh, German professor voice. And that's something that I really liked. And Dr. Schmetzling has that same German accent and sort of academic um, way of speaking. And that really brought the character to life to me. I know witch hunters aren't allowed to accept payment for their services, but surely a friendly drink among men will not pose a problem. I have an excellent vintage that's been waiting for an occasion such as this. I've known Olivier Fuchs since we were both uh, eight or nine years old, so uh, we go way, way back. And um, he and I actually, we used to create audio dramas together. That's how, how I got started in it. Um, 
Back in the old days, we uh, used to make audio dramas on cassette tapes, and um, we'd play around making sounds with um, junk that we found in, in the garage. And so it's it's nice that after all these years, um, Olivier um, is back in one of our stories, and um, this time he plays Hans, who is the Count's adoptive son, and actually Heidi Winkler's son. Hans has a mysterious, airy quality to his persona. And that is something that I knew Olivier would be able to project very well. Farewell, my lord. I know you were never my father, but you acted as one, and so I recognized you as one. Now it is time for me to go my own way. I myself obviously return as Ludlov, who is a character I know so well by now that playing him feels like putting on a comfortable pair of old shoes. And that's a very pleasant feeling indeed, I must say. In fact, when uh, the recordings were finished for The Beast of the Western Wilds, a sad feeling came to me when I suddenly realized that I, I wasn't going to play Ludlov anymore for a while. So um, I guess that means I'll have to work hard and start writing The Word of Wolfen so that I, uh, so that I can get a chance to play Ludlov again. Demons are predators of souls. And they are patient, and like many predators in the wild, they enjoy playing with their prey, wearying it out, and striking when the time is just right for the perfect kill. And of course, my lovely wife got to play the evil man-hunting demon. Eline is actually a very versatile actress, and she managed to voice the innocent young widow Elsenbach and Krasuwaldin in my opinion, equally convincingly. And yes, she did the decrepit hag version of Krasowaldin as well. On top of that, Eileen also sings the song of the Bog Witch that appears in episode 6. I really couldn't be happier with the results. Because there will be no more need for orders or violence or principles. The only order is to follow your true desire. The only violence is when you finally kill that silly voice bleating in your head every day. And the only principle is that of absolute relativity. Now, follow your desire and come to me. And yes, our son Ronan is in this as well. I used some recordings I made when he was even younger, when he was only a few months old, for the cries and laughter of baby Frederick. Captain Elsenbach had nothing more to offer little Frederick than a few sips of water, which did nothing to abate the baby's hungry cries. And so they quickly continued on their journey again. But he's in there in another form as well. Ronan also gave his voice to the Snatchers, the little monsters in the service of Count Edelhart. What I did was, in post-production, I sped up some sounds of him babbling and cooing and making crazy baby sounds, and I mixed them around, and they actually sounded quite vicious and creepy when I did that. When, I, when you hear the original sounds, they're actually extremely cute. Then, without any warning, a fifth creature fell down from the forest canopy above them, landing on the captain's shoulders. It bit the man's cheek, drawing blood glistening brightly in the torchlight. 
the captain struck at the creature with his torch. Crying out in pain as the gruesome thing escaped the fire, jumped off his shoulder and landed on the muddy ground in front of Lutra. Anyway, um, that was my overview of the cast for The Beast of the Western Wilds. I'm very thrilled um, that we managed to bring this story to life with a full cast, and I'm very, very happy with the actors, and I hope that we can continue this trend with The Word of Wolfen, and of course, any other stories that might come up. The Music the original Witch Hunter obviously contained a very rich music score, which was composed by my friend Peter van Riet. You can enjoy the music on its own on Spotify. Just type in Audio Epics Witch Hunter and you'll find it. Don't just type Witch Hunter because then you'll find um, a bunch of um, Swedish black metal bands. Um, but if you type in Audio Epics Witch Hunter, you'll... The music for our audio drama, dramatized audiobook should pop up. Now, for The Beast of the Western Wilds, I knew I could reuse a lot of that music, but I would need some new material as well. And so Peter composed some new tracks for this, as well as Dane Leonardson, who also voices Captain Elsenbach. And even I myself, despite having no musical talent whatsoever, uh, and I must emphasize that I really do not have any musical talent whatsoever, but I did create some simple background music that you hear in some of the scenes. And then, of course, there is the Song of the Bog Witch, for which my wife Eileen came up with the melody, and she also sang it. Creepy children's song is, of course, a staple of horror in general, and um, I thought it was, uh, you know, it certainly needed to be in this one as well. Now, first, I'm going to um, talk about Peter's new music, and the most obvious new track by him is, of course, the main theme for The Beast of the Western Wilds, which you've been hearing at the end of each episode. There is an element of uh, Danny Elfman's score for the movie Sleepy Hollow in it, uh, which is no coincidence, because um, Peter asked me, what do you think I should listen to for inspiration? And I said, listen to that score, Sleepy Hollow, by Danny Elfman, you know, for the Tim Burton film. And he certainly took some inspiration uh, from that in, in, in the sense of the haunting vocals, but um, I think Peter's uh, theme is actually much subtler, more mysterious than Sleepy Hollow. I actually think it's better, to be honest. But maybe I'm biased. By the way, I yes, I have a cold. Um, you probably hear that. Sorry about that.
Peter also composed new music for a fight scene with the Snatchers in the woods. And um, I have to say, that's a fantastic track, which at times reminds me of some of John Williams' music for the Velociraptors in Jurassic Park. That's right, I'm comparing Peter to John Williams favorably right now. And really, I don't think that's an exaggeration. In addition, um, if you listen very closely, you will notice that um, this action sequence also vaguely hints at the music from Witch Hunter, but only very subtly. I wonder if you can pick up on it. And then, towards the end of the story, we get the big fight with the beast. Now, originally, I thought we would need something completely new for this. But then, um, I was listening to some music that Peter had composed earlier for another audio drama, not by us, um, a completely different audio drama with which I have nothing to do, um, called Lock and Key, which you can find on Audible. And there is a track in there that really captured the excitement, the horror, and the drama of the scene, and matched it perfectly in terms of timing as well. And 
the funny thing is the title of that track was What Evil Lurks in the Darkness, which is so close to What Evil Lurks in Darkshire, the audio drama that was the original inspiration for this story. It's almost like it was meant to be. So I asked for permission, and Peter gave me the permission to use that music, and I have to say the scene soars because of it, in my opinion, and it really sounds like that music was composed specifically for the Beast of the Western Wilds. But, in all honesty, it wasn't.
Now, you may notice that the original main witch hunter theme, um, which you've heard prominently in Witch Hunter, isn't on display anywhere in The Beast of the Western Wilds. Now, this is something that Peter and I decided together on purpose, because we wanted to keep the main uh, Ludlove theme for the end credits at the end of the last episode of the story. When Ludlove rides off into the sunset, then we hear a full rendition of his theme for the first time. And this is actually an updated version compared to the original one in Witch Hunter, the audiobook called Witch Hunter, and this one is even more exciting than the original. Then there is Dane Russell Leonardson's music. Now, I noticed that Dane was actually a very good composer when I listened to his own audio drama Ancestry, which he wrote and produced and directed. That's right, Dane is a writer, producer, director, composer and voice actor. And he's good at all of it. Now, I thought the music in Ancestry was remarkable, and I was very happy when Dane agreed 
to also compose some tracks for The Beast of the Western Wilds. The first thing he came up with was a theme for the journey into the woods. It's rhythmical, it's mysterious, and thanks to the use of woodwinds it feels like it belongs to the forest. I've used that theme at the beginning of each episode, during the introduction, but um, those introductions aren't on, you know, the Bandcamp version and the CD version, which only contains the story. But um, you hear Dane's music several times as well during the story, so it's definitely there, quite prominently. Now, Dane also composed, um, and this is actually uh, my favorite composition of his, also, uh, Eline agrees with me, it's also her favorite composition that he made, a beautiful, ethereal, noble melody, and that really inspired me. He didn't know it at the time, but this noble track, this, um, this gentle track that he composed became the theme for Sancta Gwendala. I used it at every key moment involving the saint who watches over Ludlov and ultimately saves his soul.
And finally, Dane also composed a brooding theme. A brooding theme. Cold. Very annoying. A brooding theme for Count Edelhart, ending with some disturbing, dissonant brass, which I really like, and I actually um, used it again during um, Ludlove's encounter with Krasualde. Now, as you may have seen on our YouTube channel, we bought a MIDI keyboard last summer, and I've been experimenting a little bit with music composition, if you can call it that, uh, myself. I have to say, um, I have no talent, but I'm a huge fan of symphonic film and game scores. Um, in fact, I'm a bit weird because film scores and game scores, that's practically the only music I listen to. You won't catch me actually deliberately pressing play for anything like, you know, um, pop or rock or whatever. Um, I really almost exclusively listen to um, film music, uh, music from video games, as well as Gregorian chant and early music. But I don't have any musical knowledge or talent worth speaking of. <laughs> but still... Um, I managed to create some extremely simple things that wound up in the background. And what I'm, I'm quite happy with was my little um, medieval tavern tune 
for the tavern, the inn of um, of the village of Schnertwald. And I also came up with my own music for the seduction sequence with Krasualdin. I wanted something that sounded otherworldly and sensual, but kind of off-putting and unpleasant as well. And so what I did was I just played some very simple notes with very low strings. And on top of that, I added a sort of off-kilter soprano singing but i added huge amounts of delay to it to make it feel very feverish and strange and very cavernous like yeah like like you're in a in a in a dream and not a very pleasant dream Throughout The Beast of the Western Wilds, I also started making more use of abstract sound instead of actual music for certain scenes. Especially those where I wanted to evoke a dark or mysterious atmosphere. Most of those come from a sound library which I purchased from Epic Stock Media. Um, and it's a, it's a sound library called Ancient Game. And that collection of sound contains a number of um, moods, let's just say, backgrounds for video games um, for certain locations. And you hear those sounds in the Black Woods and in Castle Edelhart, and of course also in Krasualdin's realm. 
To conclude, The Beast of the Western Wilds was a surprisingly exciting experience for me. It became much bigger than I had ever thought it would be. And I must say, I loved creating this dramatized audiobook. It was fun from start to finish. It was just fun. I also feel that I've grown as a storyteller, as a narrator and as an audio producer during the making of this project. Everyone involved was a great pleasure to work with, and I'm absolutely looking forward to the next adventure. I hope that we'll have you on board as well.